BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Hi, it's Erica Aguilar, editor for The Bay in for Devin. And today, we're going to talk about a controversy that's been brewing in a San Francisco high school over the last year or so. The students at George Washington High School, they have to walk past a mural that some say is an unnecessary reminder of some of the worst ways this country has treated Black and Native American people. We don't need to constantly see images that show us of being weak and show us of being in the struggle. We know that already. We need something that exemplifies the greatness that we exemplify every single day. Tomorrow, the San Francisco Board of Education will decide on how to cover up this mural that was originally meant to criticize America's racist history that today isn't viewed in the same way. I'm Erica Aguilar. Welcome to the Bay. The mural's been controversial at least since the 1960s. It's something that if you go to school there, you pass every day. Sam LaFave is a reporter for KQED Arts. He's written stories about the murals at George Washington High School in San Francisco. The mural has been a part of the school since it opened in the 1930s. The mural depicts George Washington in various stages of his life. George Washington is shown at Mount Vernon with African-American men who are his slaves. Mm-hmm. And, and where does this mural sit in the school? Yeah, it's, it's in uh, a common area, a lobby, basically. I see. Like mm-hmm. in, towards the entrance of the school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that if you go to school there, you pass every day. Who painted the murals at George Washington High School? A Russian-born artist named Viktor Arnatov. He was a protege of Diego Rivera. He was a really well-known muralist in San Francisco at the time. He was an avowed communist, sort of leftist figure of his time. Did Viktor Arnatov ever say why he painted this mural? You know, my understanding of the artist's intentions with this mural are are really sourced from the biography of him. It's pretty easy to connect to broader political ideals that, you know, he espoused throughout his life. The artist wanted to kind of dispel some myths about the founding of America. Mm. So in one panel, George Washington is shown 
pointing his finger westward. And there are these sort of soldier-like figures, you know, marching in that direction. And they're stepping over the body of an apparently slain Native American. And the artist intended that panel as a commentary on really the genocidal nature of the United States' westward expansion. Those are the two panels that have drawn controversy going back since the 60s. Because people back then felt like the mural was offensive, other artists were commissioned to paint more murals at the school, so-called supplementary murals. One of those artists was Dewey Crumpler. Dewey Crumpler is a San Francisco artist. He's also a muralist and a painter. Imagery is difficult, but that's what education is about. In the 1970s, he was commissioned to do these basically supplementary murals at George Washington High School. So he specifically endeavored to show uh, people of color in a sort of dignified or elevated or glorified light. What he intended as, you know, a, a sort of compliment to the imagery in the Ardenoff mural. They're response murals. Response murals are linked to the history of this school. And therefore, they are one thing. The Arnatoff murals and my mural. Interestingly, Dewey Crumpler, who's currently an art professor in San Francisco, appeared in a video distributed by the Alumni Association recently saying that his mural is incomplete without Arnatoff's mural, and Arnatoff's mural is incomplete without his. Oh, interesting that they complement each other. That's his position, yeah. History is full of discomfort, but that's the very thing that human beings need to ensure change. Because what would change be if we only saw the positive aspects of human nature and not the full breadth of it? How did this idea of wanting to paint over or somehow replace the mural at George Washington High School get started? There was a a recommendation to make the school a registered landmark. Oh. Because it's a, you know, historically significant building. The school was built during the New Deal era of the 1930s with funding from the Federal Public Works Administration. This was President Franklin Roosevelt's effort to pull America out of the Great Depression. The murals have been there ever since. A group of residents, historians, and the San Francisco Historic Preservation Fund Committee applied to have the city designate George Washington High School as a historical landmark. The San Francisco School Board said look, before we enshrine this place as a landmark, let's figure out whether we want to keep these murals that people have been telling us are really triggering and really hurtful. So the San Francisco School Board created a community panel to determine how to address concerns about this mural. What's about to happen is the school board is going to vote on whether to accept one of three recommendations from district staff. Earlier this year, our Reflection and Action Working Group met to discuss and reflect on the history and impact of the Arnatoff murals at George Washington High School. San Francisco school board members took final public comment on the recommendations last week at a meeting. The superintendent asked me to review and assess our options. Those are to 
cover the offensive parts with basically a sheet, to cover the offensive parts with a panel, or to paint over it. There was a, you know, a vocal contingent of people who were definitely in favor of keeping the mural. I'm Joel Britton, Socialist Workers' Party candidate for mayor of San Francisco. I'm speaking in opposition. Destroying or covering it would be an act of censorship and a blow to freedom of expression that would set a precedent for further such actions. They talked a lot about the artist's intentions, um, the fact that the artist meant this work as sort of a corrective rebuke to these rosy stories about the founding of the country. The petition notes that the murals protest the genocide of Native Americans, First Peoples, and the slavery and oppression of African Americans at a time when few in the U.S. dared discuss these tragedies. What you heard from, you know, people who oppose the mural is regardless of the artist's intentions, the issue is for, you know, black or Native American students who are basically forced to go to this school every day, you know, being confronted or forced to encounter images of people who look like them or their ancestors in these degraded, subjugated positions. Native and Black voices should be prioritized, and there's no excuse for that, considering that our voices are so loud and adamantly telling you to take down these murals. My name is Kai Anderson Lawson. I'm a student at George Washington High School, and I'm here to stand up against the racist and demeaning life of Washington murals. It's very hard to walk past these murals depicting the racist stories of America's founding father, even if it is the truth. Generational trauma follows us, no matter how big the mural is, and no one needs that amplified, no matter who you are. I read somewhere that 92% of the school's enrollment were, I guess, what you would consider diverse students, black, brown, Latino, native. Does the demographics of the school makeup play into this debate? Well, I can say that the demographics on either side of the debate definitely seem to be playing into the school board's decision about what to do. Uh, At one point, one of the school board members at the meeting last week observed that You know, the people who are really coming out to support this mural seem to be mostly white, mostly older, and the people who are really turning out to oppose it look more like the people, you know, as a more diverse crowd, they look more like the people who are more likely to be offended by Mm -hmm. this. Commissioner Collins. Well, first off, I just want to say um, I agree with Commissioner Lopez's comments that it's been exhausting in a sense. It's emotionally taxing um, as a black woman, as a parent, as a student in our school system, constantly seeing your community and your history portrayed in a negative way is is emotionally draining, to say the least, and it is it is traumatizing. I guess what I want to understand, you know, or, or I guess make a point about is I know my history as a black person. I think most black people do. It's kind of in your face all the time. If you're a Native American, it's also in your face all the time. So when people say it's really important to remember history, um, I'm, my question is, you know, who needs to remember it, right? Like who needs reminding? I don't need reminding. You know, kids are constantly reminded that we were enslaved. And in fact, I have, I have ancestors who, who were enslaved. 
White supremacy culture is when folks are more concerned about the life of Washington murals than they are about Native American and black lives. And white supremacy is also centering the perspectives of people who have benefited from racial privilege and oppression. Mm-hmm. Or maybe also that for decades they've had the say about how to address racism of our past. I mean, it has tended to be people of power, which often means people of money, which tend to means people usually who are white and get a, to make these decisions. And a, a, a propertied class. I think it seems significant that you have really, you know, white people like protecting property. I, you know, we've seen more and more of these removals of symbols across our country or like, you know, statues. We're talking about a mural here. On this podcast, we've addressed the renaming of Julius Kahn, the playground in Presidio. And we talked about the statue in the Civic Center. Do you think that has anything to do with the why this conversation or this controversy is happening now? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a local and nationwide referendum on public monuments to past exploitation. So this is absolutely a continuation of that conversation. It just has a little bit of a twist because this is San Francisco. And so we have this monumental public artwork that was made by a communist who thought he was, you know, progressive and anti-racist and was trying to express that. Did Victor Arnotov ever say why he painted this mural here? Meaning, like, did he have any idea that it was going to be in a school? And, and did that factor into his reasoning for doing the mural as he done? You know, I, I don't think uh, Victor Arnotov anticipated the modern, present-day conversation around, um, you know, the effect of this imagery on, for example, a Native American student or a black student who is confronted with these pictures every day as they, you know, go to school uh, against their will, really. Thousands and thousands of teenagers have walked the halls of George Washington High School, and I'm sure there are going to be thousands more in the future. So when it comes to these public art pieces, one thing that strikes me is the importance of place and time. And perhaps where and when the public will consume this art is just as important as the message that is being conveyed. Sam Lefebvre is a reporter for KQED Arts. Sam says it's likely the school board will vote to cover up the mural somehow, given the three options under their consideration. The open question, though, is for how long? Or in other words, how permanent? The Bay is a production of KQED Public Radio. You can follow the podcast on Spotify and listen to new episodes there. I'm Erica Aguilar-Devon. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll see you next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. 
They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.